Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity uh, to gather us all together to offer our thanks and praise. And we thank you for um, the saving grace, not just grant us our eternal life, forgiven our trespasses and our sin and sins, but also given us the heavenly position and and all the glory uh, that come with it. And uh, in the meantime, uh, given us the privilege to come boldly to your throne of grace. And so we have direct access to you to utter our needs. And we have many uh, unspoken requests and you know our heart. And nonetheless, uh, we utter our uh, requests and supplication. And there are many enemies uh, in this political arena. And in spite of their wrongdoing and uh, evil deed, and we pray for their salvation, whether it's temporal or eternal. And so your grace may be upon them um, to demonstrate that, you know, our salvation is through your grace, not through their work. And we pray that those um, officers, soldiers, uh, anonymous uh, patriots who defend our nation, um, defend our value, um, for our nation's value is founded on uh, the trust in you and uh, the uh, biblical value. And may you strengthen those who fight for you fight for this nation and in the meantime uh, enable us to be boldly to proclaim your truth and to comfort those uh, around us who are lost and as Jim is proceeding to uh, share the good news of distinction of dispensation today, this morning and may you uh, give uh, provide James the wisdom, and so she may, uh, he may <coughs> uh, further enlighten our understanding uh, in this teaching. Uh, your grace is sufficient for us, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much, Lewis. Well, we're continuing today. We have set before us quite a lot. I hope that we have the time to to accomplish what I had planned, at least uh, for the most part, it will be sufficient. Uh, this is part three of the series on the Great Transition. And uh, as I pointed out before, and uh, we'll continue to focus on this for a while as we continue in this series a few more times, um, Lord willing, but um, the book of Acts uh, records a um, number of um, totally amazing, really astounding events, uh, sort of one after the other. They just uh, go on and on there as the uh, sacred history there, uh, just from just uh, 
after Christ's ascension and his appearances to believers after he was gloriously raised from the dead. From that point on to Pentecost, then beyond that, we'll look at that today, and then onwards uh, up until the end of the book. We're, we're not going to be giving a detailed study in the book of Acts, of course, but that's not the point here. This is all a follow-on from our efforts to uh, put a, a real focus on what rightly dividing the word of truth means and uh, what its consequences are for our understanding. How God has worked, uh, is working today, and will still work in the future. Uh, these are dispensational plans that the Lord God is putting into effect. And when he shuts down one and starts up another, there is necessarily a transition, as I've said before. You can't mix dispensations together well. Those believers who've been saved under one, what happens when the next dispensation is put into effect and their own is shut down, right? I mean, uh, it has an effect on believers, as you might well expect. And... Um, what God is doing may therefore not be so welcomed or appreciated by those believers living in those changing times. And we, we've we looked at that to some extent. I hope uh, what I've pointed out regarding that has been a benefit to you. Well, we've seen how after Christ's resurrection, the inspired narrative began. It began really with um, a man named John who was raised up after 400 years of silence. God had not spoken to the nation of Israel through prophets for 400 years and until when John was raised up. And the purpose of raising him up was to begin to prepare a people for the name of God. But that was not a possibility unless, first of all, Israel's Messiah was revealed. And so uh, John identified our Lord Jesus as indeed Israel's Messiah and uh, preached the, that the kingdom, the coming kingdom, was at hand. That preached by our Lord himself and then by his disciples as he sent them forth with the same message that the kingdom was at hand. And always, not with John, but definitely after John, all the preached the gospel of the kingdom was that as our Lord or whether it were uh, his disciples. Um, the preaching was authenticated by God through signs and miracles. Uh, those miracles and signs accredited the preacher and his message. Then, then we looked uh, uh, a while back at Matthew chapter 24 and we, how we saw there the Lord giving prophecies concerning his own return and what would occur first basically goes to the prophet Daniel to do this. Uh, so what the Lord is doing is reteaching what Daniel had revealed so many years before, but with a very personal and uh, practical uh, application to the days in which they were living. And what he 
revealed there is that the Lord, he himself would return in judgment. And there would be a time of great trial and tribulation preceding his return. And how the elect nation of Israel would have to be constituted, it would be created uh, before his return would be possible. Because when he returns, he's returning to give the inheritance of the kingdom to those that he has uh, called together in that holy nation. Okay, so that's the teaching of Matthew 24. And uh, in other scriptures, especially in Luke's gospel, but in both Mark and Luke, but especially Luke, uh, it's revealed that some time would pass uh, after Christ's resurrection, after his death, then his resurrection, uh, before the kingdom could be established. There'd be a delay, right? And not much detail was given about that except one critical thing, which is that they should wait and not go forth preaching, not carrying out the commissions that had been given to them to go forth and preach the gospel of the kingdom. They should wait, wait in Jerusalem until a great event occurred. And that event was the giving of the Holy Spirit of God who would come upon them with great, great power. Then after that, they were told that they could preach beginning in Jerusalem. And eventually, he doesn't say how long it would be, but eventually going forth uh, to the ends of the earth, right? So that's how the, the Acts of the Apostles, what we just call the Book of Acts, uh, begins with a clear statement of that very thing. The Lord, after his resurrection, just before his ascension, is speaking to his disciples, and they ask this great question. The question they asked was, uh, what will be next? What will be next? But their question is, well, considering everything that's happened, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel. <laughs> and I think his answer seemed a bit strange to them because they were, of course, assuming his answer would be yes. But again, what he says is, well, the times and the seasons are uh, reserved uh, in the plan of God the Father, and they're under his control. But you must wait until the promise of the Spirit and the power of God has come upon you. And then these other things may be accomplished, right? So really what the Lord is doing is saying there's going to be a delay. He doesn't say how long there would be a delay, but he does indicate that the promise of the Spirit would be given. And uh, it's very clear that, and he points out there, that there will be uh, a return of himself uh, physically, bodily, to this earth, and that uh, that he uh, will return at the appropriate time. And when the Lord returns, everything must be ready for his coming. Everything must be ready for his coming. And he cannot return until then. So that's the critical message. Um, okay. Now, clearly, 
therefore something re remained that had to be accomplished. And what they're going to be learning is that it's not just an issue of many being saved by repenting and uh, believing the gospel of the kingdom. There's also an issue of the nation itself. God required an elect nation to be ready when the Lord returned. And uh, that's made very clear in prophecy. I don't think anybody can deny, at least no one who takes scripture literally can deny that uh, an elect nation is required. That means including their leaders. Okay, that's where we are when Acts chapter 2 begins. When Acts chapter 2 begins, we see the coming of the Spirit. Okay, we saw last time how that when the day of Pentecost, and I'm quoting here from Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. By the way, that's significant. One accord in one place. We'll say more about that later. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. So the Spirit had come upon them, as the Lord had said he would, with consequences. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, the scripture goes on and indicates that uh, those that were assembled there on the day of Pentecost were there on a pilgrimage. Many of them, uh, thousands, were in Jerusalem from, it says, every land around the area. Uh, it says they were Jews. They were Jews. They were devout men out of every nation under heaven. And the miracle as it notes there in chapter 2, was that all heard the apostles speaking in their own native language. Hmm. In other words, they hadn't studied Hebrew. They, In fact, many of them didn't know Hebrew. Uh, but they did hear and understood what Peter was preaching, that there was a translation going on because the Holy Spirit was upon them, okay? And that's the great miracle that's noted here. And uh, what Peter goes on and says is that this was a sign because um, he goes all the way back to Joel's great prophecy in Joel chapter 2 and quotes directly from it and says, this, this uh, miracle uh, was a sign that God had begun to work according to the pro prophecy given back there in Joel regarding the return of the Lord. So the Lord had begun to work, and the proof of it was that the Spirit had come upon these in Jerusalem, these Jews, and they had uh, experienced this great miracle. And though the other things identified there in uh, Joel's prophecy had not yet come to pass, at least most of them had not, at least there was a beginning, there was a start. Okay, so God had begun a new program, and that's the whole point of uh, what Peter is preaching. But his greatest emphasis is on one additional factor. 
And that uh, is uh, that um, God is sending back Jesus, and he is going to bring judgment upon those that will not receive this truth. Okay? And uh, he's going to single them out, and uh, they will be cut off. And uh, to prove that, he goes back to um, other prophecies. But uh, that they'll be cut off would have cut to the heart uh, many who were listening there today, uh, because listening there today and that day were also others uh, who were the leaders of the nation, and they were guilty of, uh, in fact, from God's point of view, of murdering uh, his son, uh, putting him on the cross, delivering him over for death and judgment, right? So what Peter is saying is that this this miracle here on the day of Pentecost signals their coming judgment, okay? That's one of the next events that will occur, according to the prophecy that he quotes. Now, one other thing um, is, is revealed there, and that is that it is the Lord who's going to bring the judgment. Well, what has occurred just before? Fifty days before, the Lord was resurrected gloriously from the dead. So it is the risen Lord who is bringing the judgment, perhaps soon, upon those who have not repented and received Christ as their deliverer, right? So that's really the message of Acts chapter 2 there, preached by Peter that day. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has occurred, and that is what has enabled these events uh, that they had just been experiencing. Oh, my. <laughs> Incredible things are happening there in Jerusalem, are they not? Well, what do you think they might have responded uh, with? Uh, do you think they would have responded to that message? I'm speaking now of the unbelievers there. How did they respond? Well, it turns out that many responded quite dramatically, right? Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 37 says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Now realize, many of those that were there were unbelievers. They were religious Jews and gathered together there. Religious Jews who were not believers yet, okay? Um, they certainly knew nothing, uh, I, I'm assuming, about the uh, resurrection of our Lord and his uh, death on Calvary's cross, right? And they hadn't even heard, I, I'm assuming, the uh, preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. And then there are all these others, these other Jews overhearing all of this, uh, including the leaders of Israel. So Peter says uh, in response to the question, what shall we do? They're pricked in their hearts. I'm assuming they're in great fear now from what Peter has promised will be occurring. Peter says unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, 
even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Then in verse 41, the effect of this preaching is made clear. They that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. My. Well, that's certainly a beginning for the creation of this elect nation, is it not? Uh, our outline today now will be to look at chapters 3 and 4, where we see the offer of the kingdom to Israel. Pentecost has now occurred. Uh, the Spirit has come upon many. Uh, and we're going to see that there's an actual formal formal offer made concerning Israel's kingdom. An offer will be made in chapter 3. And also, we'll see that that offer was received by many. Okay, and we'll see the proof of that. And that's what our focus will be today, the offer made and received. Okay, first of all, the offer was made. Well, we've seen how, how the preparation had been fully made for the promised Holy Spirit, and he had been given with signs and wonders that could not be ignored. And 3,000 or so, a great number, had believed. So surely it was time for the rest of the program. Surely it was time for the return of the Lord. I'm sure many believed that it was after seeing the signs, the wonders, and the miracles, right? But what we shall see now is that some time passes. Um, clearly, the disciples and those others that had believed are not aware of everything that the Lord is doing. There are things he's still doing that they're not clearly aware of um, because there's going to be a delay and it's going to be increasingly revealed sort of one step at a time here. But the next thing is absolutely astounding. What happens next here? And we read of it beginning in Acts chapter 3, uh, verses 13 through 17. And Linda, I'd like you to read that for us, please. The God of Abraham, uh, Jacob, Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life whom God has raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I woe that through ignorance ye did this and did also your rulers. Thank you, Linda. And let's just continue on quickly. Um, Anne, would you please read verses 18 through 21? But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. 
and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Thank you, Anne. Very, very good. And uh, Elizabeth, I'd like you to finish up this section and read chapter 3, verses 22 through 25. For Moses, <clears throat> for Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Very good. Thank you, Elizabeth. Very, very good indeed. And uh, so that uh, that states uh, truth that we really need to take to heart if we would understand uh, scripture and the word of God rightly divided and certainly if we would understand the book of Acts and what's happening here in these early chapters. Uh, Pentecost has come which is uh, the signaling point that God's begun a new thing and uh, I, I'd like to call that new thing the Pentecostal dispensation because it was a new thing. The Holy Spirit has been given that was uh, certainly uh, uh, radically new and uh, these signs wonders and miracles are being displayed accordingly right the signs the wonders and the miracles are very much the ones that had been prophesied in the Old Testament uh, and when the kingdom is established uh, these miracles and signs will be very dominant there for example there'll be universal healing just as an example what leads up to this section is uh, that there's a man that's healed. He was uh, um, crippled from his birth. Uh, nobody could deny it that he'd been crippled from his birth. They all knew of him. Uh, the leaders of Israel even knew. I think he'd been sitting near the temple there uh, uh, collecting alms uh, every day. So they all knew. And, uh, and yet he was dramatically and perfectly healed. And as a result, many have come in with him. He was himself there. They went into the temple and to proclaim this marvelous miracle. And so the leaders of Israel, uh, the high priest uh, uh, and, and others uh, were there and they all uh, saw him leaping for joy and they couldn't deny the miracle that it had occurred. And so they asked the question, uh, <laughs> and we'll see that uh, uh, <laughs> revealed here in uh, how, how Peter responds. But Peter preaches a message which is really quite astounding. And uh, he puts the finger on uh, them as the perpetrators. 
<laughs> for the death of Christ, right? He says, you, 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 you're the ones. So Peter's very much focused on them. Now, there were others there who needed to hear the truth, no doubt, who'd come in uh, with this uh, man who'd been uh, gloriously healed. But um, the, the focus of Peter is on these uh, whom he's singling out here. They are the leaders of the nation, right? Now, you can't have an elect nation if they're not elect leaders <laughs> guiding and leading it. So clearly, that's Peter's focus at this point. Notice he does say, though, in verse 17, I know that it was through ignorance that you did it, as also your rulers. Okay, so he's speaking to the whole group. Yeah, you delivered over uh, the innocent one, the just one, for death, you and your leaders, uh, and um, it was through your ignorance. Ah, remember what Christ had said on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So this particular event is not all by itself. Delivering up the Lord to be crucified is not all by itself going to condemn them permanently. They're going to have an opportunity to repent. And that's coming up right here. Okay, so what Peter is doing now is... is uh, uh, speaking directly of the time when the nation, the elect nation, will be uh, created uh, by the Lord God. And uh, that's recorded right here in these verses 18 through 21, right? What does he say? He says, those things which God before has showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Christ did suffer, he did die. He now has been resurrected. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord and he shall send Jesus Christ, the one that they had crucified, right? <laughs> Who before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Okay, so the message now is being preached again. You are the ones, you're guilty, right? You will be judged when the Lord returns unless you repent and are converted, right? And those sins will be held against you, right? Now, who would want to suffer that consequence? In fact, he goes on then and quotes from Moses, as I said before, <laughs> and the key verse there is Acts 3.23, it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Well, what is the response going to be? Oh, it's going to be great, is it not? Uh, it's going to be great, and uh, we saw how that developed there uh, a moment ago when we read those words. But you see, far more will be accomplished than they had expected. And that brings us to the next section. How do we prove that this is a valid offer of the kingdom? Uh, it was, but how do we prove it, right? If it was a valid offer of the kingdom received by many, and God began this new program, which I've called the Pentecostal Dispensation, then there must be evidences everywhere that the new program has begun, 
right? And so as we open Acts chapter 4, we see exactly that revealed in great, great detail. Some of the detail we'll look at now, the rest we'll save for next time. In fact, uh, there will be two people singled out in particular named Ananias and Sapphira. And we'll look at them next time. But today, let's just finish up our study by opening up Acts chapter 4. And I'd like Lydia, Lydia, if you can read uh, for us uh, the first four verses there in Acts chapter 4, I'd greatly appreciate that. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, bring grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. As they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. How bit many of them which heard the word believed the number of men was about to be 5,000. Thank you, Lydia. Thank you very much. So now we have a great number saved gloriously. 5,000 have believed. I take it that this is in addition to the previous three. Uh, so we have now many thousands who have believed. Clearly, a great work of the Lord is occurring, right? With signs, wonders, and miracles, all right? So the kingdom has been offered there, as we read in chapter 3, where it's made very clear that if the nation believes, <laughs> uh, the Lord is going to uh, fulfill the program for Israel and the kingdom, right? And uh, and yet there will be something required of the leaders of the nation. And you see right here, they're not compliant, Okay. So the program will be delayed. How long isn't clear at this point. We'll find out later. But that the program was being initiated at least and that there was a foreshadowing uh, of the, uh, the great work of the Lord leading directly to the kingdom uh, is clear, right? Uh, in chapter 4, verse 12 is a famous verse. And I'll comment on it for a moment just before we finish up today. But uh, that verse we all know so well, don't we? From Sunday school or wherever, uh, Acts 4.12. Speaking of the Lord Jesus, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Well, there's more here than meets the eye. Is this about spiritual salvations? Certainly it is. The gospel of the kingdom is about spiritual salvation, right? But more than that, it's about deliverance from the curse that is upon those that have turned the Lord over, right? Uh, there's been another offer. Uh, <clears throat> they turned him over to death ignorantly, but they're no longer ignorant. They have now been uh, properly instructed. And in fact, they've seen the evidence of the glorious resurrection of the Lord in the signs and wonders, right? And in the healing power uh, being shown towards many. They no longer have any excuse. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby they must be saved. In other words, they may be delivered from judgment, but only 
in this one way. And if they do not repent, not only will they suffer the judgment, but the nation is going to fall. <laughs> and uh, when will it rise again? Well, we know from prophecy, but they apparently here were not so clear on that. They're only learning one step at a time, right? Exactly what the whole program will be. So Israel is being raised up, but now threatened as the leaders turn against uh, this preaching of the uh, of the apostle Peter. So Peter and the others are considered um, worthy of, of, of death, no doubt, by the leaders of Israel, but they release them. I think they're afraid of the people. They release them. They gather privately and uh, pray this amazing prayer in verses 29 to 31. Now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now some amazing things happen. It had been foreshadowed on the day of Pentecost. They were all together in one accord, right? Remember that? Now we'll see it proven in many ways. There was a spirit-imposed unity among all believers, including even a communal shared ownership of all property. In fact, all property will be sold, and it was commanded to be such, right? And uh, the money given to the leaders, right? And signs and wonders will abound. And we read of that here. I'd like Patty to read these verses in conclusion today to see the proof that this new program was indeed well underway and a great work of the Lord was being accomplished. So Acts 4.32 and then uh, skip 33 and get on 34 through 37. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things, neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joses, who by the apostle was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it all at the apostles' feet. Okay, so there will be, at this point, a selling of properties, a collection of the proceeds, and uh, that will be distributed as needed. Notice how the Marxist communists go to this, these verses here to try to justify their, uh, their uh, communist scheme, right? Uh, 
neglecting the fact that this particular dispensational system was no longer in effect and is not in effect today, okay? Private, private property is today quite legitimate and expected, uh, but it was not at that time. That was a different dispensational plan. I hope you can see that because what we're seeing is that there was a real dispensation of God in effect here, and it was working uh, by the will of God and the purpose of God, and uh, and that was something everybody needed to take into account and receive willingly. If they did not, they were going contrary to the spirit of God and his power. Okay? So what we're going to see next time is how two people are singled out. Here, one is singled out, an obedient one, Josephus, right? Then we'll see two more singled out. They are not obedient. They're disobedient. Okay? And the consequence will be severe, as you will see, because God is separating out believers from unbelievers dramatically at this time. The time was clearly not yet ripe for the uh, apostles to go forth from Jerusalem, though. They're still working on founding an elect nation there, right? Uh, and uh, so the time is not yet right. There's been a delay, and we'll learn much more about that next time when we see that as time passes here in the next couple of chapters, the kingdom is rejected by the leaders of that nation. And there will be great consequence of this, as you can imagine. In fact, well, we'll save it for next time. <laughs> I hope you're sitting on the edge of your chair waiting because it's a dramatic event indeed that we'll be learning about uh, uh, as we go along next time. Well, praise God, um, this teaching in the book of Acts gives us all the history we need and uh, also the, the, the doctrinal teaching needed to understand what was happening in this new dispensation, which I'm calling the Pentecostal. Because clearly that's where it began and it will continue on until the Lord uh, in his own timing and in his own way shuts it down and raises up another the dispensation, even the dispensation of the grace of God, which we are all, I trust, enjoying. So praise the Lord for his grace. It's most, most wonderful. Well, are there any comments by any or questions, uh, of course, too, uh, as we close today? Hi, Jen. Thank you for the, uh, the message. And uh, it just reminds me that Almost 15 years ago, when I was still a new Bible student, and uh, I think I asked you the question in terms of when the church started. And I think the Acts 2 make it pretty clear it's not <laughs> during <laughs> this period of time. Uh, because if we just uh, read P Peter's messages, there's not once he mentioned that like, Christ died for our sin not once and his message is about they crucify the anointed king yes and they need to repent and be baptized yeah. yes 
Yeah. So the message of the Christ died for our sin uh, was not preached at all until Paul was raised as apostle. Not that he died for all the sins of the world. That's right. I mean, he he certainly had. <clears throat> it's just that it had not been revealed, <laughs> right? <clears throat> yes, indeed. Very good, Lewis. Uh, yeah, it's all about the coming judgment to those who would not repent for their great sins, right? And that's what the whole is there on the day of Pentecost and now in chapter 3. Okay, of course, until Paul reveals the whole story, you wouldn't have known, right? <laughs> ah, yes. Okay, any other questions or comments before we close in prayer today? Okay, well, let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for gathering us today. And we thank you that what's revealed here on these sacred pages is not only clearly revealed, but open for our understanding. Only we would rightly divide the word of truth. So, Father, I uh, I pray that as we continue on and we see how you close down this uh, Pentecostal dispensation, uh, formally uh, later, but uh, one step at a time uh, here as these chapters uh, uh, read on. And uh, and we'll see uh, how you uh, reach out then ultimately in a new way uh, to a new group and uh, with a new message. So, Father, praise God for your cross sins were truly placed upon him past present and future thank you that therefore through his resurrection we may be justified each and every one that believes and that this is by grace through faith not because of our works they do not figure in our salvation experience so father thank you so much and may we continue to rest therefore and trust you for all things knowing that you're working all things together for our good. Thank you, Father, for each one here today. In Jesus' name, amen.